one constant through all the years, Ray. It's been beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome to December, everybody. This is the Beyond the Game program. Sports talk without the trash talk. I'm Rick Benson. With me is Zach Barletta, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. We got a full show for you today. We're going to talk with Mark Jelazinski of 12th Rock Ministries. Mark and his brother Greg started this ministry, which is down in Middletown, New York. They're doing some pretty cool things with kids through sports ministry, and he shares some of what they're doing with us. Plus, we're going to talk with my friend Brett Haas, who Pastor's First Baptist Church of Elba. There's been a lot made of Tennessee's decision to back away and not hire former Rutgers head coach Greg Schiano to fill their vacant head coach position. I got Pastor Haas on the phone because I wanted a biblical perspective other than my own because I'm not real sure I'm right in thinking that Tennessee did the right thing. I don't know what to make of this thing. I think it seems a little unfair to blame Schiano when everybody says this is a great guy. But by the same token, there is that possibility that maybe he saw something and didn't say anything while he was at Penn State. I don't know. So I wanted another knowledgeable opinion, or maybe a not another knowledgeable opinion if I'm counting myself, because mine's just an opinion. <laughs> but Pastor Brett's is a knowledgeable one, especially considering his football background. So I knew we could get that from him. I'm beginning to wonder, actually, who looks worse right now, Tennessee or the New York Yankees? <laughs> Don't you think that's sort of backfired on them a little, Zach, this firing Girardi? Because they still have no manager, and now they just interviewed this week Carlos Beltran, who last we saw was playing in the World Series. Mm-hmm. It's as if the Yankees didn't have a plan, and I know they did. I knew when if they fired Joe Girardi, they had a plan of who they wanted. I just mm-hmm. think they may have overvalued who they wanted, and when they got him in there to the interview process, haven't been blown away. I actually don't think it's backfired on them. They are the only team that needs a manager. So at this point, they can sort of take their time, do their due diligence, be thorough. Free agents aren't signing this early in the offseason. So it might be bad optics for them. It might They might want well, to hurry maybe it up. Maybe that's what it is. To maybe sort it of, just looks bad. But to yeah. me, I would think you'd have somebody in there by now. But you make a great point that nobody else is. They're the only show in town. So And they're an attractive opening, so. Yeah, that's for sure. Hey, let's take a quick break. We'll meet some obligations, and we'll be right back to start the show. Alongside Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, The Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. 
is here. Ram Sports Network, Christian Sports Television. That's right, Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian sports TV channel with programming from Pee Wee to the pros, games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, Western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network, more than a game. Letting go of every single dream. I got to tell you, Zach, I am excited to welcome in this next guest. He works in a ministry very similar to the one I'm involved in, sports ministry, but What makes it unique is not only do they have faith-based sports leagues, but they also have a complex, or at least plans for a complex, that have the athletic fields necessary to support those leagues, and there's only a handful of those around the country. So I am thrilled to welcome in Mark Jelazinski via the BTG studio line. He's the co-founder. He's the vice president of 12th Rock Ministries in Middletown, New York. Welcome to the program, Mark. So glad you could join us. Well, thanks for having me. I I really appreciate it. Middletown's in Orange County, north of New York City. It neighbors Ulster County, which is where I grew up, and I still have many dear friends. So your ministry there, uh, your investment in that area, it's it's special to me. Would you take a moment and share with us what 12th Rock Ministries is all about? Absolutely. My brother and I, when we founded it uh, about five years ago, we saw that you know, there's super competitive sports in this area, um, and they can do a lot of harm, leading to excessive pressure and increased ri- risk of injury and attitude of exclusivity, those kind of things, um, which just develops poor attitudes in the kids and stuff, which just spills over into their home life. So there's all kinds of fractured relationships in our area, there's a lot of broken homes, and we found that sports is uh, one of the places that there's kind of common ground. So we use that platform then to um, share the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ, and it, it's just been a powerful thing. So 12th Rock has been around running sports leagues for about 17 years in this area. Actually, this is the start of our 17th basketball season. Wow. Uh, it's it's been a powerful tool, and we've seen it impact our community. And then in the summertime and stuff, we run camps and clinics and missions work. So in a nutshell, it's camps, leagues, and missions. Working with yep. sports ministries, as I do here in Rochester, I, I know it takes a great team of volunteers. It takes people to be able to make it happen. How many volunteers are helping you out, and do you look for something specific in identifying leaders who can maximize the potential reach of 12th Rock? Yeah, we do, definitely. Um, I'll start just with the numbers. The numbers are actually humbling to how many people that God lines up for us. We're just finishing up getting the basketball season set up, which is one of our most needed areas for volunteers. And I got 68 coaches that are helping out this season, um, 10 to 12 referees, about 8 to 12 people helping in the cafe, some scorekeepers and various other roles and it's about 100 volunteers every saturday that come out for um an eight-week season and um they're they're practicing once a week so we're surrounded by great volunteers that we couldn't do it without them that's just basketball and then coinciding with that we run an archery program and there's about a team of four or five guys that help run that you know they just give their time so what we look for is just people that a love the lord and then b just want to influence this next generation and tell their story and then we help train them up that's part of the ministry too is that we're kind of discipling these and training these guys and and gals because we've had a lot of coaches that have been coaching with us for probably a lot of them eight ten years um so it's been neat to see the growth in them as well 
Reading right from your website, your vision statement is to use sports to engage and empower this generation to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's always interesting to me how various sports ministry balance that need for good quality sports, engaging sports, with the importance of making the most of every opportunity to share Christ. How does 12th Rock accomplish that? It's kind of... That's a loaded question, but um, <laughs> 12th Rock accomplishes it basically uh, on a local level. We do it with leagues by um, building relationship. Um, what we found is doing ministry here in this area is it takes anywhere from three to five years to be able to uh, have a conversation about anything much more than sports and weather. So what we offer is then we offer high-quality programming. We run it with excellence. Um, it's very organized. You know, We start on time. We end on time. And that keeps people coming back so that we can have the opportunity then to build a relationship. We try to, um, you know, get the best coaches that we can in uh, to help run those programs. And um, between the excellent and the organization and then those relationship building processes, we have the opportunity then to share the good news about who Jesus is and, and also the opportunity then to help those families out in various different needs. I mean, I could go on and on about that. That's what we have found also here in G&T Athletics in Rochester, that opportunity to, if you do sports well, people will come to you, and they'll give you the chance to share Christ. But, you know, that building relationships, I enjoyed hearing you talk about that. That's that's the key, because it does take time to go from playing flag football or playing basketball to getting an opportunity to talking about Christ. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I tell people all the time, it's... Um where are people on on the weekends it's declining the number of people going to church so but if you go to the soccer field or the flag football field or the pop warner field they're they're loaded so you have to kind of go to where the people are that's you know what jesus did and that's what we're trying to do i marvel at it all the time i I drive by fields on on the way to church and it's like there's four five hundred people around a soccer field so that's why i really was drawn to what you guys are doing up there at gnt and because it's very similar to what we're doing here We're talking with Mark Jalosinski of 12th Rock Ministries. You can visit their website, 12throck.org. You can find them on Facebook. On Twitter, it's at 12th Rock Sports. Now, your team, Mark, uses basketball, volleyball, camps, as you've mentioned, all tools to reach young people with the gospel. But something which seems a bit unusual, and you mentioned it, is archery. Has that been very popular? It has. It's uh, not in the same numbers as basketball because it's kind of a niche, you know, group of people. Um, a smaller demographic, but um, it reaches a unique demographic of kid and uh, and the family. So we run. It's grown from. Uh, this is we finished just to finish our fourth year running it, and uh, it's grown from just running it in the spring to running it each season of the year. So we're actually um, kicking off the winter archery league down in a gym. Uh, about 20 minutes south of Middletown, and uh, doing that in January, right alongside the basketball. So um, it's it's been great. It's one of my passions. I, I love to shoot, so it's it's kind of fun to be able to use something that you love to do to reach people with the gospel. So you know, on average, we get about uh, 15, 20 kids that come out. It's just kind of a laid back, uh, great time, just building a relationship again and having the opportunity to speak the truth of God's word to them. When I was down in the Dominican Republic here recently, I go down annually as part of a baseball outreach with Score International, but they had this team of archery guys who I I didn't understand the connection, but they had this team of archery guys, and it was fascinating 
Because in my mind, I'm thinking kids, bow and arrows. I'm not sure this is a good mix. So I got to ask you, how do you do that? Can you walk us through what your archery ministry is like? Yeah, basically, the the thing I love about it, and what it's kind of like this, is you got a kid that's never shot a bow before, right? And they're very nervous about it. Again, just like any other thing we do, we try to you know do it with excellence. All of us are trained at USA Archery. We're all level one instructors, and then we got another guy that's a level two instructor um, that's kind of trained us. So we train them on how to use the bow. We go over you know all the parts of the bow and how to hold it, the shot process of drawing it back and the follow through and all that stuff, so that they're not afraid. Because if one of the first things they always say is, "I don't like to shoot because it hits my arm." So we teach them how to hold it so that it doesn't happen. And one of the greatest things I love about it is you got a kid that you may, may not succeed at a lot of different things, but by the end of the first session, they're on the target and they're starting to really zero it in. So there's a high rate of success very quickly, and uh, that keeps them coming back. And it's just, like I said before, it's you know maybe that kid that might not be good or coordinated to run, you know, play a ball sport or a team sport. But you have a lot of kids that um, kind of outside of the outside of the bubble, so to speak. You know, they're uh, on the fringes, so they come in, and um, when they pop a balloon, we put balloons on the target. When they pop a balloon, it's like they just, you know, it's the greatest thing in the world. Their face lights up. I and, bet. Um, so it's just, uh, it's super safe. So, you know, we go through all the safety rules. We paint out the field so that there's a, there's a shooting line, and then there's a line to go back behind when they're done shooting. They hang their bows up on a rack. Uh, it's it's very orderly, but yet at the same time they're having a blast. <clears throat> it's it's a lot of fun just to watch them. We got a great connection with a local um, archery shop. They have a 3D course, so that we go and shoot all the 3D animals in the woods and you know walk the course is about 15 targets. That's always a blast too. The kids love to do that. That sounds cool. Let's talk for a minute it about is. that huge undertaking you guys are are doing god has given 12th rock a vision for what you're calling the northeastern field would you talk about that vision what it is how it's going to impact the community and how did you and greg first get that vision yeah uh well we can start with the how (laughs) it started um back uh in 1999, my brother and I started a landscape company, uh, fresh out of college, and um, we both went to separate rooms and wrote down goals. And when we came together halfway through both lists, <clears throat> we believe that was God speaking. It said after 10 years to uh, purchase a youth camp. That that was as vague as it was. And we're like, okay, where do we take it at? You know, I was 22, he was 24. We kind of just let it go to the wayside, and 10 years came and went, and. Uh, at about 10 years, you know, God started to just speak to us through many different ways, as he does. And, uh, you know, at the, while we were running the landscape company, we were facilitating the basketball league in the wintertime. So those things that kept growing. Um, we saw the uh, amazing impact this could have on a community. So that started leading to camps and missions and missions trips during the summer. And one thing led to another. And about three years it took to finally say, okay, Lord, what do you want us to do here? as he was stripping away the business because we had kind of ignored the call at 10 years. So long story short, at that year 13, my brother turned to me on the way home from a job and he said, are you tired of doing this yet? And I said, what are you talking about? He said, I'm looking at camps online at night. So we headed down to, he found one down in Tennessee. I mean, we wanted out of the Northeast and that's the funny thing. (laughs) (laughs) 
headed down to Tennessee and then North Carolina, and then we landed. We used to facilitate Upward Sports basketball program and stuff, so we landed back at the headquarters for Upward Sports, and that's really where the dream and the vision came. Uh, on the way home, we just started writing it out, and God just kept giving us stuff, and that's where 12th Rock came, burst out of there, and so we started to pursue it. I'm kind of speeding through it, but pursue it looking at different camps, and we actually put a deposit on a camp in West Virginia, thinking that was it. And then uh, finally God said, you know, did, that, did we away with that? And then we uh, ended up looking at a camp in New York. That's where we ended up meeting Word of Life. But all the while we kept looking for something. And then about two years ago, my parents lived down in North Carolina, and uh, my dad met up with a guy that uh, he was a longtime friend with and said, hey, this is what my boys are looking for. Do you have anything? And about a week later, he said, yeah, I got a piece of property for you. So long story short, after about two years of a lot of uh, different twists and turns, uh, in about 12 weeks, uh, God raised up over $100,000, and we were able to put a deposit down on this wow. uh, piece of property we're calling the Northeast Field. That's really the short version of it, but if you go to our website, um, you can read it. There's a tab right on, or icon right on the front page that says Curious and the rest of the stories there. And one of the niches of this project is going to be the track, um, indoor 200-meter track. The impact could be that we could we could touch and influence about five to 6,000, if not more, kids a weekend in that building. So, you know, it'll have the track and then uh, court space in there. So just as just like when I was reading over GNT's mission statement and what they want to do with that park up there, very, very similar um, to what we, we see God using this for because it's so centrally located. I mean, we're 65 miles from New York City. The property itself lands 20 minutes from five school districts. There's about 45 school districts within an hour of here. And one of our mission statements is to reach the Northeast. And God's landed us probably in one of the be- best places that I could ever imagine. And here we were trying to get out of here. Once again, we're talking with Mark Jelosinski of 12th Rock Ministries, 12throck.org or at 12th Rock Sports. Mark, both you and your brother Greg, your families are prominently displayed on your website. They appear to be actively involved in the work of 12th Rock. How special is that to you? You work alongside your brother and you have your families there with you. It's special it's uh people say it all the time it's like i can't believe you you know i've worked with my brother between business and and this for um 20 plus years and uh god's grace and <laughs> as uh has got us this far but what's cool about it is that we you know one hand knows what's the other hand is the one without having to really talk too much because you know you just know what the other guy's thinking and um so that's that's special and then to be able to see your family serve right alongside of you and, and, and walk this walk of faith to see God working every single day, literally, you know, from his provision to um, his care uh, every day um, is just testimony to, you know, it, there's no better testimony for my kids and, and his kids to see God at work that way. So um, they've walked very closely with us through this whole thing. And both of our wives, when we told them that we were going to sell the business and get get out of business, they were both 100% behind it. And uh, they said, this is God, what God is telling you to do, go for it. And uh, so we've had their support all the way. And, you know, we wouldn't have done it without it. So it, it's very special. Mark, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but would you mind – sharing with our listeners how you first came to Christ? Absolutely. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my parents were uh, believers, both believers, and uh, so I was raised in it. 
I kind of have a unique story in that my dad was um, working like two or three jobs trying to, you know, accomplish the American dream, so to speak. And uh, at the age of 40, uh, God called him to be a pastor. So when I was nine years old, we moved from Minnesota to Texas. And then uh, he went to seminary there in Texas. And then we landed here in New York and he pastored a church for 24 years here. So when we landed in New York, I was about 12 and uh, it was quite the culture shock coming from Texas or Minnesota, Texas, and then New York. I played sports. I played two sports. I played basketball and baseball. Uh, so that was kind of my only uh, outlet. But but all the while, I was just going to church and kind of going through the motions, so to speak. And um, I made a conscious decision at the age of 18. And that's why I'm so passionate about what we do is because I believe at some point you have to make a decision on your own. So I made a decision to go to um, state school, uh, and I actually pursued a degree in plant science. And that's really where my faith became my own. And um, as they say, I was saved at the age of 14 is when I made the decision to follow Christ. But it was really when I hit college is when um, really where my faith became my own. My faith continues to increase year after year. And, um, you know, one of the pivotal points of starting uh or taking another step deeper with Christ was uh, when my best friend passed away at 35, oh, and that's kind of when we birthed 12th Rock. So that, that that gave me the passion to share my faith with more um, people and stop being, you know, this introvert. And um, so that that's kind of my journey in a nutshell. Any prayer requests? How can we pray for you? Yeah, endurance, wisdom, and discretion. Those have been my consistent prayers for about the last five years. Um, just as we walk out, this calling God has put on our lives because there's definitely days when um, it's overwhelming, but uh, I'm just continuing to be humbled by that God continues to use us this way. So, you know, secondly is just financial provision um, on a monthly basis. I believe God's called us to do this, uh, you know, this northeastern field, and uh, we're just waiting upon him patiently to provide for it. So. You want to take a minute and— Tell the folks how they can get a hold of you to find out more about your ministry, how they can get involved. You mentioned needing financial support, prayerful support, these things, how they can get involved in supporting the work of 12th Rock Ministries. Yeah, absolutely. You can just go to our website. It's 12throck.org. It's the number one, the number two, T-H-R-O-C-K.org. And uh, right on the homepage, there's some graphics that say the O2 team. It'll be on your left. And then there's a graphic there to the right that says Curious. And the O2 team is our monthly support team that uh, you can go right there online and make a safe, secure donation, or you can mail it in. The address is on the webpage there as well. And our goal is that we need 1,000 $12 a month supporters by year end. And then, you know, we have until July 18th of 2018 uh, to raise up about $125,000. So those are the direct needs if you feel led to do that. We would greatly appreciate you getting alongside of us. So, well, Mark, I want to thank you so much for joining us. 12th Rock is doing some great work for the cause of Christ, and thank you for sharing that with us. No problem, no problem. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. There you have it. That's Mark Jelazinski from 12th Rock Ministries. And I'll tell you, that's a ministry that I can support. Obviously, it's heart similar to my own ministry similar to what I'm involved in, so obviously it's very special to me, plus the fact that it's uh, where I grew up, essentially. So I'm excited about the work they're doing, but maybe Middletown doesn't mean much to you. Maybe that lower Hudson Valley, Catskill area of New York State means nothing to you. But if reaching people through Christ, and you believe that can be done through sports ministry, if that means something to you, 
check out their website. Consider getting on board with them and helping them accomplish their goals. They're looking for $12 a month. Come on back after the break. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Here's the Red Hawks recap for this week, December 2nd, 2017. The Red Hawks recap being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. After the men's basketball team defeated Nyack College 79-72 last Saturday for the second time this season, gaining their sixth straight victory to open the season 6-0, the Red Hawks then suffered their first loss on Monday, falling to Mercyhurst University 81-51. However, the Red Hawks would bounce right back with an 86-80 win over Mansfield University on Wednesday, improving to 7-1. Lithuanian freshman Gintaris Bartosakis had a game-high 27 points for Roberts. And the Red Hawks women made it a sweep over Mansfield, overcoming a 13-point second-half deficit in the process to pick up their third win of the season, a 74-63 victory. Sophomore Sarah Nady scored a game-high 19 points. The Cairo-Egypt native was 5-for-9 from the floor and scored 8 of her 19 points during a momentum-changing third quarter. Both teams will be in action at home on Tuesday, December 5th, the women host Lemoyne College at 5 p.m., while the men will finish off a home-and-home home taking on Mansfield University once again. Tip-off is scheduled for 7.30. And next Friday, December 8th, is another doubleheader with both teams hosting the University of the District of Columbia. The women tip off at 6, followed by the men at 8. And then on Sunday the 10th, the men host St. Thomas Aquinas at 2 to close out a three-game homestand, while the women will close out four straight at home on Monday the 11th with a 6 p.m. tilt with Stonehill College. And finally, the men's and women's swim teams will be in action at home for the first time next Saturday, December 9th, taking on Genesee Community College at 1 p.m. And those are your opportunities to see the Red Hawks for yourself at the Baller Athletic Center on the campus of Roberts Wesleyan College. For more information on Roberts Wesleyan Athletics, including scores, highlights, and more, visit their website, robertsredhawks.com, or follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. The Red Hawks recap is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back to the show. Rick Benson, Zach Barletta, taking you through the hour here on the Beyond the Game program. You can find us on the web, btgprogram.com, or on social media, at btgprogram. Much has been made in recent days of Tennessee's decision to back away from their intent to hire Greg Schiano as their next head football coach. I've been supportive of that choice, regardless of the fact that there's no proof that Schiano had directly witnessed or heard Jerry Sandusky committing his crimes there at Penn State. There is testimony where one man says he heard from another man and it may have even been one step farther where that man heard it from yet another man that Greg Schiano was white as a ghost after witnessing Sandusky's crime. Now, there's also testimony from that very person who is alleged to have said that they saw Schiano. That person says, no, I've, I've never said that. I did not see that. 
I find it hard to believe that there wasn't at least warning signs. But look, for me, even if there weren't proof, and there's not, look, Shiano might be a great coach. He is a good coach. Everybody has given him high remarks. Ohio State thought highly enough of him to hire him. But for me, for my program, if I were in charge, and obviously I'm not, but if I were, I think I'd, I'd just avoid it because I don't know for sure. Now, is that fair to Shiano? Probably not. This is a tough matter. You're going on hearsay, but the hearsay is awful. It is, uh, this is one of the worst things you could hear of somebody. For the leader of my program, look, I think I just move on. I'm not making any accusation. I'm just going to move on to avoid any appearance. I don't know for sure what happened, and I'm not going to take the chance. That's just, that's my opinion. I could be wrong. So, I needed to get an opinion of somebody that I trusted, somebody that I think is knowledgeable. I wanted to ask a local pastor. And I didn't want to just ask any pastor. I wanted to ask a pastor that had a football background, that understood the game of football. I called my good friend Brett Haas. He's the pastor at First Baptist Church in Elba, New York. Pastor Haas, thanks so much for being on the program. Welcome to the show, by the way. Can you give us some light on this? Can you give us some biblical basis on this situation. How do we respond to this? Well, Rick, thank you for calling, and um, I'll do what I can. Uh, It's a very um, touchy situation, as you know, and uh, there are a lot of variables concerning Greg Schiano and the uh, decision by University of Tennessee to turn away from their offer or uh, their agreement or whatever they had reached with him. Let me just read to you something that uh, came across in the uh, one of the articles that I read that isn't directly answering your question, but it kind of brings up another question. ESPN's Mark Slayback, I hope I'm saying that wrong, uh, contributed to this report. He's quoting a state representative of Tennessee named Jeremy Feinson, and he says, quote, the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is the highest paid state employee. And uh, to that, I would ask, Why? What yeah. does this say about the state of Tennessee? What does it say about our society as a whole when the highest paid state employee is a football coach? And so if there's blame to go around, I think we all share some of the blame. The fact that uh, the highest paid state employee in the state of Tennessee is a, a football coach, we have to look at ourselves as a, as a society and ask, how did we get to this point? But to directly answer your question, um, you know, the accusations that have been brought against uh, Greg Ciano, in fact, uh, as I've looked into it, I only see one accusation, and that's by one person, and it was uh, second or even third-hand information. And so that makes it extremely difficult because, well, it, when you go to the Bible and you're looking at leadership, leadership in, in, in the Bible, First uh, Timothy 5, Paul says, against an elder, receive not accusation, but before two or three witnesses. And so you're not to accept the testimony of one person to condemn uh, an elder uh, or a leader. And now, obviously, this is not a spiritual situation or a congregation or church, but uh, your leadership, uh, you should uh, you should not just take one person's word on this. And so that puts it in a, in a, in a dif- difficult situation. Uh, but it also goes on to say in there that uh, them that sin, referring to the elders, them that sin rebuke before all. 
that others also may fear. And so if a leader is out of place, uh, he should be rebuked by more than one witness, and uh, that would cause others to fear. I think a big failure in this whole situation was the decision-making process of the University of Tennessee. I'm sure they put a lot of thought into this, but they reversed their decision pretty quickly. And so it makes you wonder how much they thought this through in the first place. Uh, Proverbs 11 says, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. And I don't know how much counsel they got now in looking through the testimony of people who've worked with Greg Schiano. Uh, he seems stellar. I know that the Ohio State University head coach, Urban Meyer, gave him a, a, a total thumbs up, uh, as did others who've worked with him. Uh, Tennessee Athletic Director John Curry, who made the decision to go back on the agreement, uh, even said, we carefully interviewed and vetted him as we do candidates for all positions. And he received the highest recommendations for character, family values, and commitment to academic achievement and student-athlete welfare from his current and former athletic directors, players, coaching colleagues, and experienced media figures. So by all accounts, the man looks like uh, a great family man, a good coach, um, so why did Tennessee go back on their decision? Well, I don't know, other than when you're putting someone in the place uh, of leadership, you have to be more careful than just any other position, because um, leadership is, uh, he's the face of your organization. And the Bible also says about uh, a leader in First Timothy 3 and choosing a pastor or a bishop, he must have a good report of them which are without. And Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5 to abstain from all appearance of evil. And so I, I think I would agree that if there was an appearance of evil and uh, a question as to the man's character, that he probably should have been turned down before it ever went public. I think if I understand you right, you were very kind and very gracious in saying I'm wrong. Well, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I, I don't know that. I don't know that you can say there's a right or a wrong, Rick, on this. Well, that's just Concerning it. public opinion. I mean, I think your question, did they cave to public opinion? Yes, yes, they did. Um, public opinion should always be considered in every decision, but it's not the only consideration and should never be the deciding factor in matters of principle. If, uh, if I think I'm doing the right thing, then public opinion shouldn't matter. That's a great um, point. But to me, the University of Tennessee made a a grave mistake when they offered him the position or, and, and again, that's in question whether it was actually officially offered or not, but they changed very quickly when public opinion was, was, uh, against them. I think if I had gone through all the vetting process that they went through and thought I was doing the right thing, then I would have stuck with my decision. But, uh, again, uh, I'm not going to find fault with, erring on the side of, a, of abstaining from all appearance of evil, but I just wish they had thought that through before they went public. I agree with you in that. I think this is a very hard thing because somebody said something, and as you say, that may have been, may even been second or third hand to hold that against right. Gianna, That That's kind of a tough thing, but I can't mm -hmm. fault somebody if they said, you know what, I just want to avoid but you think they would have right. made that decision prior. I, I see a lot of people right. complaining about the Internet, complaining about social right. media, and I really don't blame social media for this. It's not doing anything that I'm not doing now that 
right sports media news everybody they're, they're giving their opinion that's what these talk shows do and ultimately those in charge they either the, the decision's theirs so should the university have allowed public opinion to sway their decision do you think i would say only if after hearing public opinion they had a change of heart as to the nature of the the situation perhaps it brought into question in their minds things they hadn't thought through now how you make a decision as big as choosing your head football coach without thinking those things through ahead of time to me that's what really brought the problem on it wasn't the media it wasn't the internet uh it was the fact that maybe they didn't carefully think this thing through before they made their decision well great points i knew i had called the right guy hey as long as i got you on the phone you know college football as well as anybody I know. There are numerous scenarios that are going to play out this weekend, which will affect the final four playoff teams. But if it were up to you right now, which four get in? Well, right now, Clemson, Oklahoma, Auburn, and Wisconsin. Um, now, that can change this weekend, obviously. Uh, but that, I, I think that um, the ACC champion is a lock. Uh, whether it's Clemson or Miami, whoever wins that game is in. Uh, the SEC champion is a lock, uh, whether that be Georgia or Auburn. And then Oklahoma and Wisconsin are locks if they win. Uh, should Oklahoma or Wisconsin stumble, then you have to look at Alabama, perhaps Georgia if they lose to Auburn, Ohio State, Miami, TCU, and even Southern Cal. Now, I don't think TCU and Southern Cal are going to have an argument uh, compared with the others. So let's just say Oklahoma and Wisconsin both lose. I think Alabama, and my choice would be Miami. Uh, I know a lot of people are pushing for Ohio State, but they didn't win their conference. They didn't even go to their conference championship. And uh, Miami has some pretty solid wins on their record. So I would say the ACC champion, the SEC champion, and then Oklahoma, Wisconsin. I think if I'm on the committee, Rick, I'm hoping and praying that Oklahoma and Wisconsin win, then that makes the decision easy. Yeah, it all breaks down after that. Yeah. Don't discount Alabama. Uh, everybody, a, a lot of people across the country were happy that they lost simply because Alabama's a great team, and and you either love them or hate them. It's kind of like your uh, Yankees, you know. Everybody <laughs> loves or hates a winner. Yeah, and, and the the committee put Ohio State in last year, and Alabama's basically right. sitting in the same position. So it, I tell you, it's tough. This is why I think there ought to be. Eight teams, or you know, and if you want to say six because yeah. you don't want to go to eight, fine. You have some system of two buys, but I think it's just smoother for eight teams. What do you think of that? Mm -hmm. Should they expand to eight? Philosophically, let me say this first: I, I, it doesn't matter. I mean, I I would love to see it as a college football fan. It would be great football, but I have to ask myself a question: Does it really matter who's the best? I mean, in the long run, I mean, I, I go back to the days when you had the mythical national championship and. At the end, you were either excited or you were disappointed. But uh, in the long run, it's not that important. But as a college football player or as a college football fan, I would love to see a six or eight team format. I think it would be some fantastic football. I think that uh, if you expand it to eight teams, you're really not going to have an argument for someone saying we should have been in. I mean, the number nine team might be upset, but. Uh, how often does the number nine team really have a legitimate argument for saying we're the best team in the country? Exactly. And That's so, been my yeah. basis for my argument all along. Number nine, never, rarely yeah. it has a legitimate claim to being number one. But you get to those six or seven or eight 
Mm-hmm. You do yeah. oftentimes. I've been saying for a few years now that they would, you know, conference championships the first week of December, quarterfinal round the second week of December, then you have a break and you have uh, four bowl games, two of them consolation for the losers, two of them continuing in the playoffs, and then the mid, uh, mid-January you have the national championship game. I like your plan. And, uh, Being an Oklahoma fan, I'm a little surprised to hear you say it doesn't <laughs> matter who, who's really the best. Yeah. I mean, it's easy for me as a Syracuse fan. It doesn't matter. But <laughs> yeah. you're from you're well, an Oklahoma I, fan. I would say this. You know, I, I would love to see my Sooners win it all this year. I, uh, not only because I'm a Sooner fan, have been since a child, uh, but my, my, my youngest son, Johnson, is a big fan. I'd love to see it for him. But looking at them, they're, they're – uh, you know, I'm a defensive guy. And so my big question is, I don't know if they can handle it defensively. They've gotten better in the last half of the year, but their offense is the best in the country. But, uh, you know, the old saying, defense wins championships. Hopefully they can play well enough to, to, to pull that off. As long as I bothered you and, and got you on the phone, uh, you've got something going on. Charlie Brown Christmas coming up in December. You want to take yes. a minute and tell us the dates and the times and, and what, how much does it cost? And if somebody wants to go, how do they get tickets? I would love to. Yes, uh, we are blessed to be able to present a Charlie Brown Christmas in conjunction with the Tams Whitmark Music Library in New York City. We are putting on two performances, Friday night, December 15th at 7 p.m., and Sunday night, December 17th at 6 p.m. And uh, there is no cost. It's a free show, but you do need a ticket. And we do have a few tickets left. They're going pretty quickly, and uh, you can reserve a ticket by calling 585-397-8831. And the the church is located at 31 South Main Street in Elba, and uh, we would love to have anyone who would uh, like to come out. It's uh, Everybody knows Charlie Brown Christmas. It's a great little show, and we're doing it live on stage with our kids, and they are absolutely adorable. When I'm rehearsing with them, uh, and if I close my eyes and listen to the, the little boy who's playing Linus, he sounds just like the TV show. <laughs> I think I'm listening to Linus. Yeah. Wow. So uh, you'll love it. Come out uh, and enjoy it with us again. That's uh, Friday night, December 15th, and Sunday night, December 17th. Pastor Haas, thank you so much. Thanks for the biblical insight and some good stuff to the discussion. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Rick. I love you. I appreciate your friendship, and uh, boomer sooner. <laughs> That's Pastor Brett Haas, First Baptist Church of Elba. And if you're not familiar with Pastor Haas, he's a he's a big dude. He's a mountain of a man, but he's a drama guy. This guy puts on great dramas. If, if there are still tickets available to Charlie Brown, give them a call. Go on out there to Elba and, and see it. Once again, that phone number, 585-397-8831. 585-397-8831. Get yourself tickets to a Charlie Brown Christmas. I'm Rick Benson. The guy across the desk from me is Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program, and we'll be back right after this. In the morning when my heart is cold, you're the heat for my weary soul. You're the good... Hey gang, Benson here. You know, because I'm a bit of an introvert, I don't rush right up to people and get in a conversation as I see others do. I wish that were more comfortable for me. But that doesn't mean that I don't care about people. In fact, one of my greatest joys is to help people. The biggest help I can ever be is to tell folks about the grace of God. Now just hear me out. Give me just two minutes, and then because I know you're a smart person, decide for yourself what to do with what I'm telling you. 
You see, all of us are sinners. And because we are, we can't get to heaven on our own merit. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But it also tells us that God loves us. So much so, in fact, that he sent his son, who is the only one who never sinned. And though he need not die, willingly did so on a cross as a sacrifice to pay the debt of all our sins. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Why? Because God wants us all to be saved from an eternity in hell. He says so in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, that he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But though he gave his life, Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He rose again, defeating death, making it possible for us to go to heaven as a result of his righteousness. You see, that's the grace of God I want to tell you about. Forgiveness of sins is available to all people. God's grace is freely available to everyone. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Here it is, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. If you want to know Jesus, pray to God. Tell him you know you're a sinner. Tell him you believe that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, and that he did that for you. And then start a new life, repenting from your sins and seeking after God. If you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be forgiven of sin, visit our website, btgprogram.com. Thanks for listening. Well, it's a one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and I go, can't go, but don't you step on my Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program, America's favorite faith-based sports talk radio program. The Beyond the Game program is recorded in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. Zach, have you ever been to Lenore, North Carolina? I don't think so. It's in the northwest part of the state, and if it wasn't, if you've not been there, then it wasn't you. But that's just one of the many places where the Beyond the Game podcast was downloaded this past week. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever your favorite podcast source may be. You can even you can even subscribe to the program, have it automatically downloaded to the device of your choice. And while you're there, wh- why don't you leave us a review? From what I'm told by IT people, I guess that helps other people find our program, and that's what we want, more people to find the program. So subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review while you do. And for those of you in Lenore, North Carolina, thanks for listening wherever you find yourself today. Thank you for listening. Time to turn it over to Zach for this week's Shenanigans Statements. All right, truth or shenanigans. Recently benched Giants quarterback Eli Manning will be reunited with his old coach, Tom Coughlin, in Jacksonville next year. Wow. Um, I'm not as quick as everybody's been saying that he's done in New York. I, I'm not 100% sure of that. He won't be there if Ben McAdoo's there. That's for sure. I don't even think he'll be there if Jerry Reese is there. So I think if the Giants do as I suspect they will and get rid of the GM and get rid of the coach because – why in the world wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Then I think there's an open door for Eli to return. If you're going to draft a quarterback, if you're the Giants and you're going to draft a quarterback, he'd be an ideal guy to mentor somebody. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm not so sure. I would say if he leaves the Giants, there's a pretty good chance he's in Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, there's been a couple other places tossed about, but Jacksonville seems to make the most sense. I would say truth. It's, we're in this weird, bizarro world where of all the teams that could use a quarterback, being in Jacksonville would give him the best chance to win, which <laughs> still seems strange to me. That, but That seems odd to hear somebody actually say that. Yeah, it's – Still, it feels a little dirty, but you know, I, I could see Tom Coughlin was very vocal in his defensive Eli, and and uh, well, who hasn't been? Yeah, I, I, a lot of eulogies of were written this week. You know, I honestly look. I get it. If you wanted to sit Eli Manning, and you got to take, I agree with McAdoo and the ones that you got to take the emotion out of it. I'm a Giants fan, and it is mm-hmm. very emotional. You got to get past that, and you think, look, this team has, it's going nowhere. Mm-hmm. So sort of I've heard people say, well, you might as well make the change. But using that same logic, you might as well stick with the same guy because who else is going to give you a better opportunity? Right. I don't buy that Geno Smith gives you a better opportunity <laughs> to win. I, I understand he's a little bit more mobile and with as poor as that offensive line has played, maybe that's a benefit. But if you were going to sit him and say, look, man, we're gonna, we want to take a look at – see what we have. We want to see what Davis Webb is. We want to We mm-hmm. look at this. But Geno Smith – that makes no sense. And everybody's coming to Eli's defense because when you go to that man and say, listen, we'll start you, but we're going to take you out and put Gino in at some point. I don't blame Eli for saying, no, just go ahead and start the other guy. Yeah, the Giants have handled that terribly. And that's not typically a giant uh, a, a trademark. No. They're usually a very loyal organization. Mm-hmm. I kind of – I'd love to have been a fly on the wall – to know how that conversation went down and how the Mara family was involved in it or if they were involved in it. and I don't know. It seems odd. Yeah. But I'll agree with what you said. If he leaves the Giants, I think Jacksonville's the most likely landing spot. Number two, Broncos cornerback Akib Talib and Raiders wide receiver Michael Crabtree were each suspended for two games on Monday by the NFL for their fight during Sunday's game. Then had their suspensions reduced to one game roughly 24 hours later. Truth or shenanigans, even a one-game suspension is too much, since A.J. Green and Jalen Ramsey were not suspended after their altercation just a few weeks ago. I'm going to say shenanigans because I don't have, I don't know. I wasn't familiar with the A.J. Green-Jalen Ramsey situation. I don't know if there's history to that one. There is history here. Mm-hmm. Obviously, these two men have not learned from the past. I think they earned a, a one-game sit-down. Maybe two might have been too many. I don't have a problem with it being mm-hmm. one. I, I honestly think that Talib should have got more because enough with the necklace thing already. Mm-hmm. You pulled that move a year ago. Now here you are doing it again. I, I don't blame Crabtree for getting a little excited about it, but I don't know that's the right way to handle it. So, no, I – I say shenanigans that it's not it, it's not too much. The funny thing about this incident is that before the game, Crabtree taped his necklace to his chest because he knew Talib was going to try to grab it, and Talib got it anyways. But um, I agree this with is like, a great place for a tape sponsor. If you're yeah. looking to sponsor the program and you manufacture tape, give us a call. We'll run your ad right here. Yeah, we'd love to have duct tape we, as a sponsor. Obviously, of the show. Crabtree needs better tape. But um, I I agree with with the suspension. So I guess I would say shenanigans to the statement and that um, two games would be too much because I mean, AJ green basically grabbed Jalen Ramsey from behind and choked him out and suplexed him and started punching him in the helmet. He, they said he wasn't suspended because he was ejected from the game. And so that was enough time missed. I think that 
had they stuck with the two-game suspension, that would have been way too much in comparison. But I think all along, they were just assuming they were going to reduce it to one game upon appeal. That's why it only took about a day. But um, a one-game suspension, I mean, this fight that we saw on Sunday, it was on the field. It was, first of all, Crabtree punched somebody else. Then he punched Tlaib. Then he hauled him across the field, down the sideline, running over other guys that were standing around. And like you said... This is a carryover from a year ago. This is something that they've got to put a stop to. And a one-game suspension, I think, is appropriate. Yeah, and I think if you are punching somebody who is wearing a football helmet, Mm -hmm. the fact that you have to live your life being stupid, (laughs) it should be punishment enough. Absolutely. Number three, the L.A. Chargers sit one game below five hundred at 5-6, and but have been much improved over their last few games. And jumped all the way to number 10 in ESPN's latest power rankings. So, truth or shenanigans, after starting the season 0-4, the Chargers will make the playoffs. I hate speculating. <laughs> I and know. you ask these questions That's all why the I time and it. put us in these spots to speculate. I, I don't know, but uh, they got a pretty good chance. They're playing really good football. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, yeah, I would say they do, especially the way the other teams in the division they're not playing as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think there's a very good chance. I think that's the key is that the rest of this division is just really falling apart. The Raiders have yeah. been losing games. The Broncos. You never know which Raider team's going to show up, whether they're going to be a right. team that can win a football game or not. Uh, the Chiefs have been just awful since yeah. they got out of the gate so impressively. And the Broncos, well. The- it's been a complete reversal on that division. I agree with you and with the statement that, you know, the Chargers have been really impressive. And we saw it in person a couple weeks ago when they dismantled the Buffalo Bills. This team really doesn't seem to have a weakness right now. And they look like the best team in that division by a long shot. There's been virtually zero movement so far in baseball's offseason. Truth or shenanigans, there won't be any hot stove action until Giancarlo Stanton is finally traded. What do you think, Zach? I say shenanigans. Um, I do think that's a big holdup. I do think that's going to sort of be um, a major hole in the dam that lets a lot of other things happen. But I think the biggest thing right now is Shohei Otani and, and his posting this weekend. You know, he's a unique case, as we were talking about off the air today. He's going to be very affordable because he's going to cost such a small amount of money in international free agent money, and then he's going to be under team control for a long time. But he could be a top starter and a middle-of-the-order bat. So I think a lot of teams that think they have a shot at him are probably waiting until they see whether they can land him or not. See, I'm going to disagree with you. I actually agree. Until Giancarlo Stanton is figured out, I don't think there's going to be a lot of movement. Last but not least, the L.A. Clippers season is already over with Blake Griffin now out for two months with a knee injury. I agree. Not much more (laughs) I need to say to that. Yeah. I mean, they weren't a playoff team with him. They're not a playoff team without him, certainly. And they got the OKC Thunder right behind them, who you know are going to finish better than where they are. So Yeah, uh, that makes sense to me, that I think OKC is going to be finishing better, but... You know, you could make the case that with Griffin, maybe they slip in the seven and eight spot or whatever. Without him, not a chance. Not a chance. Second Corinthians nine seven says each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Washington Redskins cornerback Josh Gordon is what I like this week. The All Pro corner took out a full page ad in a local newspaper in Greenwood, South Carolina, where he was born and raised. In the ad, he asked churches to send him a letter outlining the concerns of the church and the needs of the youth so that he could help them with his ties and offerings of love and peace. Norman said he could not provide everything the churches outlined, 
but that he'd provide as much as he can. Here's a quote from what he wrote, your persistent prayers and devotion to the people of your congregation to whom God has given you stewardship over has not gone unnoticed. This season, God has laid it on my heart as a servant of the crown to reach out and touch every church in Greenwood, South Carolina with my tithes and offerings of love and peace. It is my wish that everyone in your place of worship be touched by this blessing that I've been blessed by and now giving it unto you. I truly thank you from the bottom of all my heart for being that beacon of hope to look up and strive for greatness in your teachings and vessels on earth to reach our Father who is in heaven. The incredible gift by Washington Redskins' Josh Norman is what I like this week. What I like this week was part of the NFL's My Cause, My Cleats Week. Is uh, Tennessee Titans' Eric Decker and his wife Jesse have provided eight service dogs to military veterans, with a ninth dog currently in training. Decker said he'd heard the story of a vet who said that receiving a service dog had literally saved his life. Decker knew immediately, he said, that he wanted his foundation to be able to provide veterans suffering, suffering from PTSD with service dogs to help them out. So that is what I liked this you like week. That? You like that? This has been the Beyond the Game program. Please stop by our website, btgprogram.com. There you'll find more information about the program, past broadcasts, and detailed information on what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ and knowing him as your Savior. And won't you please consider being a financial supporter of this radio ministry? Because of the support of listeners like you, we are able to share the gospel with listeners all around the world through Sports Talk Radio. Pray about it, will you? We're grateful for your support. I just listened to the most recent episode about crop circles. I got to tell you, it was pretty interesting, though they got a little over my head because they're smart people and I'm not. Check (laughs) out the Myth and Mysteries podcast for yourself. This podcast is hosted by our producer, Zach. It covers curious stories, unsolved mysteries, and other such things. Myth and Mysteries, it's available on iTunes and Google Play or visit their website, mythandmysteriespod.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, We'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. 